gets on. Then came Hartnell, but she's well clear. Winks inside the final hundred meters. Today we farewell an Australian icon, the greatest of all time. G'day punters, welcome to another, what's going to be a massive episode of uh, Bet With Brilliance. Um, so I'm Jack, obviously, uh, again this week, and I've got uh, Fish here with me, Jared Fisher, the New South Wales writer for Brilliance. How you going, Fish? Yeah, good, mate. Good, looking forward to um, reviewing the races from last weekend and, and some crackers coming up on the weekend again. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Not a problem. A um yeah, we've got a massive uh, weekend to get through from what was last weekend where I went ahead and made some big calls. I said they might shoot me in the foot and um, and they, they have come back and, and bit me there. So we'll get through that. We'll get through. Uh, you had some, had some of your top picks get over the line, which was good to see. Um, and I think that started with Nature Strip. Yeah, I was absolutely stoked with our Nature Strip came back. Um, yeah, just... I guess the the Jamie and um, Nature Strip combination worked pretty well there. She just sort of um, gave him his room down the down the straight there, took him out, took him away from the crowd, and um, yeah, it worked well. She wound him up at the right time and got the job done for me. So I was pretty stoked about that. From what she said in that post race interview, I'm not sure if you saw it, um, but she said that she basically admitted that she was a passenger. She said I just let him do what what he wanted to do. He wanted to go over to that inside rail. Um, so it's, it sounded like he really knew what the job was and he, he went out and got it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think he, like we spoke about last week, he, I think he is a bit of a tricky horse and he probably, he was probably suited by the no crowds allowed down there. And I think she definitely did the right thing. Just gave him his room, took him away from the mess and not many horses went down the inside rail there down the straight, but it certainly worked for her. Yeah, that's a, a really good point that you make about having no crowds in, I mean, at any track, but it's been in, in Melbourne a lot with, with their lockdowns. And I think it's made a massive impact on the way that horses are in the, the mounting yards, how they parade, and then how they go out onto the track and perform. Because, you know, some of them aren't getting as worked up. I mean, the heat's one thing, but, you know, the noise of the crowd and whatnot, um, would definitely play a role and it hasn't been been there and it wasn't there on on saturday yeah absolutely and as we as we know every horse is different so i think that some horses actually like the crowd there and get pretty pumped up i think winks was one of those type of horses she she sort of um had a bit of a show for the fans and um but yeah i think nature strips one of those tricky ones where it probably suits him better just not not too much fuss going on and allows him to concentrate a bit more so yeah I was I was very lucky to see Winks in her second last start at, at Rose Hill and stands were absolutely packed when she walked from the mounting yard out onto the track, finished the race and then was coming back from, from finishing. She knew that everyone was there for her. So some horses... Yeah, she, absolutely, she knew how to put on a show and she definitely knew they were there for her, that's for sure, yeah. Ears pricked, trotting around. She couldn't have been more in her element. So, um, if you watched the the pod or listened to the pod last week, punters, like I said, I went and made some outlandish calls. I said you can take the top 
what it, it was the top three in the market. I think you had Bivouac, Nature Strip and September Run. I said you can throw them in the bin that they, they won't be winning and then Nature Strip wins. I said that they'd be too fast for September Run and Swats that, the, the Phillies, and they were there in second and third, but Fabergino got fourth, so I'm not too upset about that. Uh, looking back at last week, uh, talk me through your star performer. Star performer for last week? Oh, there, was, there was two for me. I'm in Sydney, stay inside. And that two-year-old race just absolutely blew him away. I mean, wasn't really what what having a look over him for the um, Golden Super, but he's put himself right into contention there with that ride. As we spoke about last week, I like doing my sectionals and down the last 800, we had 11.18, 11.67, did a 10.96, and then the last 200 before the post was 12. And that was with J-Mac pulling him up and basically waving to the crowd with his whip in the air. So... Same so very how, impressed with that. How good am I? Um, this guy. Me, other one was Mars Crusader, who was my best bet for the day, and he paraded like a champion and also got the job done. So yeah, those two for me. Because you were at, you? you were you were trackside in in Sydney for for the races to see the likes of Mars Crusader. You would have seen stay inside, and then you got to see the likes of Coling and very, very elegant. Yeah, that's right. And um, I did put Stay Inside on top for my um, Mountie Yard selection because you just had a look at him and he, he honestly looked – he just looked shredded. He looked ready to go. He looked really wound up. And I thought after the race, I thought, oh, well, I wish I – you know, I wish I went on and had a little bit more money on that. But, <laughs> yeah, he was very, very impressive. So – and the Mask Crusader, the same, paraded very well first up and probably can keep following both of those, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um my star performer, I sort of threw it up between a few. Um, obviously, Tagaloa um, was a massive one in the the CS Hayes. The way that the way that he ran that and, and won was incredible. Um, I had Sue, I had Zoo Dancer there as well, but I've gone with with Nature Strip and Jamie Carr. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk about it. For the rest of for the rest of autumn, we'll talk about it for all the spring. She's an absolute gun, but to get onto a horse, he's apparently very quirky to ride, and he's you know he's got his own little mannerisms and whatnot, and you've got to work him out. But she said post race, I just let him do what he wanted to do. It worked, and he was incredible. So I've got um, I've got Nature Strip and, and Jamie Carr. They're my stars of the week. Um, but what about a ride of the week? Have you got anything? Yeah, ride of the week for me was um, Rachel King on Colette, who was also first up there on a heavy track and certainly didn't like the look of her form leading into it on a 1400. She's never won over 1400, but Rachel's ridden her before and, um, yeah, just sort of stalked the speed a bit there and pulled her out at the right time and got her going on the heavy track and just got over the top of Colding there late. So, yeah, I gave Rachel the ride of the week for me. She's beaten some really handy horses there too, Colette. She's beaten, like you said, Calding, very elegant was there. I mean, a little bit short of uh, of their best of 1,400, those two, but you've still got to go out there and beat class athletes, and that's what Colette did. Yeah, absolutely. That's two in a row for Colette. It's not easy to do the um, Golden Eagle and then the Apollo Stakes on the weekend, so great money for the owners, and, um, yeah, probably a big future, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. My ride of the week, I again, I was sort of tossing up about this and I thought, oh, I can't go star performer Jamie Carr and give her the ride of the week as well. She's got to have a break. We've got to go and find someone else. I went with Luke Curry on Tagaloa. Watching, so in the, he was first up in the uh, CFO. No, I don't think it was. Anyway, first up, five horse field. He was caught three wide. He sort of battled to the line. I personally was thinking, oh, geez, I don't know how he's going to go this prep at all. Luke Curry jumped on board and rode him like the best horse in the race, had him up, pushed out of the gates, let him get into his rhythm. Other horses were forced to come around over the top of him to get the lead where they wanted it. They ended up working too hard. And Luke's had him positioned perfectly because he had enough in the tank to hold off ASAR in the straight. And then, what, in the last 100 metres, power away. Yeah, that was a great race too. And I um, interestingly had a look, had a bit of a look at that one. And I found out um, Tagaloa had the crossover noseband on for the first time which usually trainers use in trials and not, not often in races, but yeah, he wore, wore it in the race and maybe that, maybe that was what relaxed him and was able to get the job done for him. So yeah, I just I thought that was an interesting one. And for listeners who don't know what the crossover nose band is, that it basically keeps the horse's mouth shut and doesn't let them, it keeps the horse's mouth shut while they're running and they can't throw their mouth around and keeps them focused, I guess. So yeah, that might've been the big thing for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, my ride of the week went to Luke Curry. I thought that was a great ride on a great win. And now Tagalow is pushing towards, I believe, an Australian Guineas, which is really exciting. I don't think you'll have a problem seeing out the 1600 metres. No, absolutely not. No, you'll see out the 1600 metres quite easy. Now, looking to this weekend of racing, uh, today I write a runner by runner preview of the. Uh, the Blue Diamond, so I'm really excited for this weekend. Uh, but you've had a look at uh, the form for Sydney. Get us started there, Fish. Yeah, I've had a look at, I want to have a look at a couple of races in Sydney. We've got the um, Silver Slipper Stakes, which is the two-year-old Group 2 over 1,100, which is a lead-up to the Golden Slipper. And then we'll go on to the Parramatta Cup, which is listed 1,900. That's a lead-up to the Sydney Cup. And then we'll go to the Hobartville. Yeah, first up, um, Silver Slipper. Uh, it looks like there's going to be heaps of pace in the race, and I'm pretty devastated about this. My best bet for the weekend was going to be four moves ahead. So hearing the news today that there's another setback for her, she's not going to come back out until next weekend now, which which I'm devastated about. But, yeah, there's a fair few runners here that um, are definitely a chance of winning. I've got Home Affairs who raced on debut against... Uh, the Godolphin horse Zethus, and it uh, looked like he was home. Looked like he was home, and then he just died late. I think it was just a fitness thing there, and I made sure and had a look, and Zethus was um, second up. So I'm going to stick with um, Home Affairs. He looked a bit green on debut, but definitely had a bit of class. And yeah, I think um, he might be able to get over the top top in this one. How did you see that race? I saw it exactly the same. I had four moves ahead on top and I was really keen on on him um, until that scratching. And I've landed on on home affairs as well. I think the massive thing about Saturday in Sydney, uh, they're expecting a heavy track. Is that uh, – I'm correct at the moment. They've got it at a heavy eight. Um, yeah. 
and and there's looking like there's going to be about 20 mils of rain tomorrow. So I'm definitely definitely looking at a heavy track for Sydney. So it could be a heavy 20. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that last start looked all but home and hose, and Zethus came right down the outside over the top. Um, that was on a heavy, uh, sorry, a soft seven. So we know that he doesn't care about the cut out of the ground. He, taking it soft and not a problem. And when you look through the form guide, I mean, apart from obviously Zethus, I think a lot of these horses have only had a run really on that good track. So that's going to make life difficult for them. Um, I've landed with, with home affairs on top. Um, I think having the uh, inside draw and keeping J-Mac aboard is going to be massive. And he, it looks like if he doesn't lead, he'll certainly be up on the pace. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You'll be on the pace for sure. I think, um, yeah, I think you'll be on the pace. And then I think hopefully you'll be able to hang on this time. And if it's a heavy track, it'll be even harder to chase him down. And I think I think he did handle it last time as well. I think it was just honestly just a fitness thing. So, yeah, I'm pretty keen on that one, actually. Yeah, so am I. So we've already backed the winner of that one. We'll go into the Parramatta Cup. Uh, what have you got there, Fish? Well, Parramatta Cup's an interesting one because... You look over the whole field and really they're all coming out first up for a lot for, for um, races further on in the preparation. So it's a bit of an interesting one. And there's only really one horse there that's rock hard, fit and ready to go. And that's Sacramento. Um, he won a benchmark 78 over 1800 and then went and doubled that up with a 2000 meter win in a benchmark 88. Like soft, I'm not too sure about a heavy track because most of his soft runs have actually been on the soft five. So that's an interesting one, but then there's a few others. Collide's a Great Britain horse who's got a fair few first-up wins in the Chris Lee's camp. And then another interesting one is um, the winner of last year's Parramatta Cup was Mustard Year, who was first up that day and is first up again today with the exact same weight and absolutely loves the cut out of the ground. So Hugh Bowman on board and getting $18 for Mustard Year at the moment. But, um, yeah, I've definitely landed with Sacramento on top. How about yourself? I, I'm going with a, a Victorian Raider on top. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. Main one, I tipped him at Flemington last weekend. I think with a lot of other good judges from what I was, was seeing on racing.com and, and what, and he just didn't lob. For what reason, I'm really not sure why. Uh, but I've got to do start on top. Now, he is a uh, European import, uh, winning over 2,000, 2,500 metres distance will not be a problem. Uh, I'm looking at putting a pen through the last start because the start before over 1,400 metres, he did his best work in the last 200 metres of that race and really hit the line well. That's where everyone found him as a tip for last weekend. Uh, so the 1,900 metres won't be a problem. Soft ground, he's had six starts and two wins. So if it manages to stay in that soft range, he's going to enjoy that. Heavy start, oh, sorry, heavy track, he's had two starts, two wins. He's going to carry 54 kilos and he's got Jay Ford on board, who's def- by no means a bad jockey. Um, I've got to do so. Um, he won't be a back marker. Um, I think you've got the likes of Raheen, House, Salino and um, and Collide back there. Um, so I think he'll be a bit closer to 
uh, to your leaders once once the whips start cracking. And um, yeah, just with that that form on heavy ground and put a pen through his last start, start before he did his best work 200 metres late. The distance is not a problem. I reckon this could almost be his to lose. Yeah, everything you said there is pretty spot on about that horse for sure. Um, the horse camper in, in pretty good form as well. They've been getting plenty of winners lately and I'm always interested by horses on a quick seven-day backup. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. If you can handle that seven-day backup and trip down, trip up to Sydney, then, um, yeah, it could be, could be a good each-way play for sure. Yeah, you tend to find on that quick, the, the seven-day backup, maybe a couple of um, a couple of days of work during the week, you know, just to keep the fitness up and whatnot, keep them moving. Um, and then so many times they'll come out on that, off that quick backup, they'll fire and win. And um, what's the $8 at the moment with some bookies? Um, so you could get probably each way odds for him get in early and have a crack because worst case scenario, I think he'll run second or third and you'll get your money back. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, the fitness is definitely not an issue, especially with um, when you look at the other horses in the race. So yeah, that could be, could be a great play for sure. We'll um, move on now to the Hobartville stakes, which is 1400 and um, it's a group two for three year olds. I'm really interested in this race because um, there's plenty of class about. Obviously last start, the one that I, I followed mostly was the Pelzer in Prague race. Pelzer won, and um, plus, as we reviewed last um, podcast, we're talking about sectionals, and Pelzer was the strongest in the last two hundred as well. So the step up to fourteen hundred is perfect. Loves a wet track. Um, second best horse out of that race for me was Prague, who also likes it wet. And they've they've put the blinkers on for this, which usually sharpens them up. So definitely giving him a chance and. North Pacific, I, I couldn't possibly put it in my numbers after what it did first up, but uh, you never know, McDonald and Hawks. And then we've got the Kiwi Visitor. It's just four starts for four wins, likes it soft. So that's an interesting one, but I couldn't really go that way either. And then maybe the horse that looks a bit over is his wheelhouse, who first up carted around with 60 kilos, stays at 1,400 and goes up in grade, but... What's he, what kilos is he on now? Drops down to about 53, I believe. So 56 and a half, he'll carry. 56 and a half, so he drops four and a half kilos. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. And, um, yeah, how did you see it? I'm going to go with Pelter on top. Yeah. We spoke about the, um, the uh, what was it, the Eskimo Prince Stakes. It was some mouthful of a race for a name, name for a race, I should say. And... I couldn't sort of go the way of Peltzer. I was looking at North Pacific. He's then come out and won carrying 59 kilo and he's SP'd at 550. And it was a race, I think, where you look back and go, how did you miss that? How did he start at $5.50? Like the prep before he's won the Bondi stakes on a heavy eight over 1600 meters. Um, you know, he's running in a golden rose following the likes of Ollie Kirk, Rothfire, um, who, I mean, Rothfire, I cannot be convinced otherwise. If he doesn't break down in that golden rose, he wins that comfortably. Um, and then who knows what he goes on to do. Um, but, like, he's finished off of some really smart horses 
They've then gone away to other goals. He stayed in Sydney, won. Um, I've got him on top again. I think the blinkers and from his from the draw that he's got, it looks like Easy Campisi and Lions Raw are going to lead. Uh, Prague's out of gate one. And I think that Peltzer will sit in about that second pair. So you'll have Easy Campisi, Lions Raw. He'll be one off the fence and one back. And I just think that with those blinkers on, he's going to see a lot of clear air and he'll just motor at the line. Like, yeah, I, I had the exact same map. I had I had Prague and um, Belter in the second pair, right behind those two leaders, Easy Campisi and Lions Raw, and I think that's perfect. I'm actually thinking that when they come around the straight on the weekend, I believe we'll, we might see Prague and Belter the ones that take off and give them something to chase quite early. And yeah, I'm definitely leaning that way, and I can't split them too much, but I'm definitely going with Pelter's form. I think a lot of people as well just put him down as a Ramwick horse, and he can't win at Rose Hill, but I just think he's a better horse now, a better horse this prep and ready to go on with it, to be honest. Yeah, well, if he's really come back as a three-year-old, if he's really come back as a three-year-old, then he'll put that argument to bed. He'll come out on Saturday, he'll win, and then it'll be sky's the limit for him, I think. Um, so that's Sydney. Uh, what's your best in Sydney, Fish, before we move on? Best bet in Sydney, um, I'm going to go with Home Affairs in that um, silver slipper. I just think second half, I was listening to Waller talk about him earlier today and they're quite confident and thought the same thing. Just lost a bit of fitness there first up. So, yeah, my best is Home Affairs. Race five, number five, Maps to get a great run up on the pace and a heavy eight. That'll be handy placement for him. And J-Mac and Waller is a very good combination. So I won't be talking you out of that at all. Right, we'll move down to uh, Melbourne and to Caulfield. So with before I go any further, looking at the Bureau, uh, absolutely no rain predicted, but it is Melbourne. Anything can happen down there. You get four seasons in a day. Uh, I'm going to start race six, the Futurity Stakes. Uh, group one over 1,400 metres, three-year-old and upward, uh, we'll then have a look at the, the group one, the Ned's Oakley Plate, uh, over 1,100 metres. And then we'll go and have a look at the Blue Diamond to wrap it up because that one is a race that I'm really excited for. Looking at, and sorry, punters, I jumped between a few screens here. I've got speed maps and form guides and whatnot everywhere. Looking at the speed map for the Futurity, uh, Too Close to Sun from Gate 3 is definitely going to ping the gates, get to the fence and, and lead from there. I think Streets of Avalon from gate seven uh, is probably going to swing up outside of Crosshaven, who will be – so Streets of Avalon will be up in that leading pair with Too Close to Sun. You'll have Behemoth behind Too Close to Sun on the fence and Crosshaven just outside him. Um, Sosie Bond, Probabil, uh, Ole Kirk around that third pair – this race was a tough one for mine. I was looking at Probabil, who won her last start exceptionally well, and then Behemoth, who did some really good work at Morpherville um, in the Durbridge um, over 1,100 metres. I have landed with Behemoth on top. Um, I think he's going to get the run of the race. It's not a massive field. You've got, what, 10 runners there. Um, 
around Caulfield on the fence. Once they get into the straight, I think he'll definitely find clear air. He'll bump his way out. He's a big thing. Um, so he won't find that difficult at all. I was concerned about Probabil initially and thought, she, you know, she was just immaculate that last start. Um, the turn of foot that she showed was incredible and she's dropped three kilos from that run. But it's really hard to go past Behemoth. I've got him on top here. Yeah, I, I saw a very similar to you with the speed map there. Um, I was originally keen to have a look at Ole Kerr. Obviously, I follow him quite closely down in Sydney, or up in Sydney, sorry, but um, heading down there when he drew, drew barrier one, I just thought he's he's going to sit back a bit and get stuck on the inside, in my opinion. So I didn't dive too far into that. And my top selection ended up being Probable. I just thought, similar to what you said, the first start win over 1,200 with that massive weight was pretty impressive the way that he took off and got the job done. And Damian Lane sticks on again here, so... I think he's more suited. Oh, sorry, she's more suited to um, fourteen hundred. I was keen to give um, Crossover another chance, second up at pretty decent odds. There, you can get sixteen at the moment, so I think maybe the each way player there. And the only thing I had with Behemoth was, and I know um, Behemoth likes the fourteen hundred, but I think first up eleven hundred to fourteen hundred is it's one of those step ups that I just I've never really fancied. So. Going with the 300 step up in the form that probably will show, and that's, that's how I landed on probably. Yeah. I think where you're talking about that, that 1100 to 1400, I think he's a little bit of a victim of the prep that he's got for the autumn. So I think the, the main goal after this race is going to be the all-star mile. So I think, I think that um, David Jolly's sort of placed him as best as he could, getting him to that, uh, the Durbridge where, He's going to ride, it might be 1,100 metres, but the step up, he's only going to appreciate that. Um, and from interviews on racing.com, he said he's he might have even come back a better horse than last prep. Um, when I looked at the rest of the field, I thought about Crosshaven. I did have a look at Crosshaven and I thought if Crosshaven couldn't beat Streets of Avalon last start, for me, he didn't do enough to suggest he's going to improve into this start. And then I thought Behemoth is a much better horse than, than Streets of Avalon, in my opinion. Um, so I couldn't have him too close to Sun, who's going to want further and loves um, a soft or heavy ground. Um, Ole Kirk's got a really tough barrier and race map that's going to be really hard for him to win. Mr. Quick is a mile plus. Sosie Bond's a 1,000 years old. Not saying that he can't win. He's going to find it very difficult. Arcadia Queen a mile plus and Amish Boy did not do enough last start for me to to even have a look at him. So that's where I've gone with Behemoth. Um, Streets of Avalon won't, Streets of Avalon won't shock me if he wins. Uh, will annoy me though because I won't be backing him. Um, but yeah, Behemoth on top for me. And and if Proper Beer runs over the top uh, late, then that'll certainly be a fun race to watch. I was going to say, you were pretty keen on Streets of Avalon last week, so I was interested to see if he went his way again. But uh, it's a fair call there. Maybe this is a um, touch, touch of a higher-class race. So, yeah, we'll see what happens on the weekend. Yeah, he's a brilliant horse and he's a real battler. But just the, the type of race that you're looking at, it's going to be one... It's a, the, They're not going to run at a great tempo where I think behemoth is going to be able to get into his work like i said he's a big horse 
He might be on the fence. He's going to barge out late off that turn. And I think he's going to be really, really hard to beat. We're going to have a look now at the Ned's Oakley Plate. Uh, open handicap for sprinters, 1,100 metres um, at Caulfield. So they'll go down the, the side straight there, one turn and, and straight at the finish line. Having a look at this one, and sorry, punters, I'm jumping through these screens again. Uh, we'll rattle off some names here because this is an incredible field. Um, Ancestry at $5.50 trialled up incredibly well. Celebrity Queen comes over from uh, WA. So you can have $5.50 for Ancestry, $8 for Celebrity Queen. Uh, My Boy, Anders, uh, comes in at $8. Dirty Work, $9.50. Satori, Brooklyn Hustle, Portland Sky, last start winner, standout, Ghana, Hans Attic. You can have dub, double figures for all of them. Looking at a bit of a speed map for this, and it's going to be a very fast run race. And the speed map is going to be interesting out of gate 11. They've got that one turn. I don't... I don't know how much the speed map itself is really going to play into it. Um, the rail's in the, the true position for the entire circuit, so it's not going to be a very sharp turn for them. I think you could expect to see the, the field fan out three and four wide on the turn. Um, Ancestry, how Matic, definitely Anders is going to push up. Camel Passer, Portland Sky and Mizzy will be around there as well. Um, who have you got on top here, Fish? I landed with um, Celebrity Queen on top. Uh, she loves the 1100 and she had a, a great trial over a thousand meters recently, which is a good sign for fitness. And um, we got Willie Pipe on board, which is the poor man's Jamie Carr. And <laughs> there's going to be a pretty hot speed there. And I think that just suits the way that Celebrity Queen races. I think Pipe will just sit at the back there and um, take his time and yeah, have a good. Good, good run from the back. And um, I was looking at Standout, who I've been keen to watch Standout run for ages down in Sydney, but they just can't get a good track. I heard um, Gerald Ryan say that anything over a soft six, he's not even going to bother starting him anywhere. So luckily they're going to get probably, hopefully get a good track down in Melbourne this weekend and be able to race. But I just wonder how much, I mean, he's been looking at a race for about six or seven weeks now. So not sure. And the other one that I didn't mind at odds was Brooklyn Hustle, which... Seems to have a bit of a similar profile as Celebrity Queen where she'll just sit at the back there and stalk the speed. Um, her record steers you away a little bit, but she's been pretty competitive in some pretty good races. And I'm hearing that she's pretty for, pretty forward in her prep or pretty forward in her fitness and um, ready to go first up. So with 52 kilos and John McNeil on board, I think $12 and three eighty at the moment, I think that might be a little bit of an each way play, but Celebrity Queen for me. Yeah, it's a really interesting race, especially betting wise um it's a very open very open market ancestry trialed like an absolute weapon at cranman over over 800 meters did it in 45 seconds just quietly um and i think already there's been some form come out of that that trial a couple of horses have come out and won um or at least run very good races i've gone with Anders on top here. Um, now, what was it? Six months ago, 
nearly 12 months ago now even, when he won his maiden at Wyong of all places. He won it by nearly seven lengths. And I just thought, wow, that's a massive run. 1,100 metres did it in 103. Um, so absolutely busted the clock, which is you look at sectionals and that's a main, that's a massive thing. You can win by a margin. You've got to put the numbers on the clock. Um, then came out again and won on a heavy eight at Rose Hill. Had a spell, won the Rosebud and the San Dominico. Absolutely demolished those fields. Uh, was freshened up and brought to Caulfield. Uh, ran in that blue sapphire. And that was with Ranting and Hanseatic, um, which was actually a really fun little race to watch if you haven't seen it. Go and have a look, punters, because... For a three-horse race, you'd think, oh, this is garbage. Like, what's the point? It was great fun. Um, but he'd had issues with illness going into that and definitely wasn't himself. And and then, obviously, for the Coolmore, was not himself either. Um, has had some time since, trialled up like an absolute gun. Um, I think uh, through racing.com, uh, Kira Mars come out and said, no, he's, he's back now. Um and it was off the back of that trial where he draw, he's, so he's drawn out wide there, gate 17, and that's not a problem for me. He will get into his work. I think what Bossy should look to do with 50 kilos is stay out wide and try and make that turn as straight as he possibly can and just let him roll like he did in those two starts. That was the... Sorry, the San Domenico and the Rosebud, where you just ping the gates, drop the hammer, go for it, um, and really try and run this field into the ground. Where, I mean, Anders is first up, and a lot of them are first up, but they aren't all carrying 50 kilos. So I've got Anders on top. Yeah, 50 kilos seems quite great quite crazy for a horse that's um, smashed the clock before. Like you said, in that San Domenico race, that was very impressive. So... 50 kilos is crazy. I mean, I was looking at a lot of the um, on-pace runners in this race have drawn wide, so maybe one or two of them might even come out, which which will help, help Anders' chances. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see on the weekend. Yeah, look, on paper, it could certainly help his chances. I personally would ra- – I'd love to see all the runners stay in that race for two reasons. It's a massive field. It will just be a great spectacle for racing. Um the other thing, I think with him staying out wide and, and like I said, make that turn, don't turn into it, but just sort of glide around and just make it sort of as straight as you possibly can. Um, I mean, anything could happen once the gates open, but I think that would give him his best shot is to build that, just get into his rhythm, build his momentum, try and leave him for dead early like he has done in the past. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everything everything you're saying there's making sense, and I'm sure Bossy Bossy will be keen to get a win. He's been talking up a few few big rides lately, and they just haven't been coming off for him. So this might be the one. Yeah, if you're listening, Bossy, you've got to get one for us. It's got to be Anders. He's paying eights. Well, you, do you reckon he would go down to what he'd have to get down to around forty odd kilos? Imagine if he got down to that and didn't even win. He'd be spitting chips, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. 50 kilos. I, I, it just amazes you how these jockeys get down to that weight to ride a, ride a horse. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm assuming I haven't had a good look, but I'm assuming none of his other rides for the day are anywhere down near that. So 
yeah, he's probably pretty keen to ride it. Yeah. Moving, uh, I guess, back one in the form guide, but on to what I believe is the absolute gem of the of the card. This is the best race by far. The Group 1 Ned's Blue Diamond Stakes over 1,200 metres for two-year-old fillies, colts, geldings, the lot. Um, this is massive. Enthar is our $2.45 favourite at the moment. Uh, General Bose Dex, $5.50. You can have $7.50 for Animo. Uh, $9 ingratiating. Artorias, $15. Jigsaw, $16. Arcaded, $16. And the rest, Osh Finance Tycoon constructs. Uh, have a look at a speed map. And before I go any further with that, this race is going to be run fast, Fish. Um, the way that I've got it from gate one, I've got, uh, sorry, from gate three, I've got General Bow probably pushing forward, trying to find the fence. Um, and sitting up there around the lead. Uh, Genevi from gate two has shown a bit of toe, but I don't think quick enough to outstay him. Uh, so from gate four, I've got Jigsaw probably sitting on General Bow's back and and maybe getting the fence or, or one off the fence if Genevi sticks inside him. Uh, Dosh comes out of gate eight, and she has shown some really good early speed. I think she'll get up around the likes of Ingratiating and Finance Tycoon, go over and sit next to General Bow. Pegasi might sit on her back there. This is one of the biggest talking points, I think, for the race. Where have you got Enthar mapping? Fish? I've been struggling to work this year because uh, everyone knows I'm very keen on Enthar. And I think she's an absolute star, as a lot of people do. But you can look at this map about five to ten times, 20 times, 30 times in... You just literally don't know where you're going to put her, do you? You can't. It's, I'm hoping that she might end up three wide. I think she's going to try and go forward. And if she does end up three wide, I hope she's three wide with cover because I, I still think she can be good enough from there. But oh, she could get stuck forward. Yeah, I really don't know, to be honest with you. The way that I'm looking at it, so just inside Enthar is Hitotsu Marine 1, Wolves, and then Artorius is definitely going to go to the back. Um, I can't see Hitotsu Marine One Wolves getting any further forward of, of midfield. Absailer has shown a, a, a really strong amount of speed early. And I definitely think he's the key to Enthar potentially going on to win this. I say that because the way that I'm mapping the race to go... Absailer pings the gates and goes. Enthar gets on Absailer's back, and I believe it's Mark Zara sticks on for Enthar. Um, gets carted over and gets into that, maybe that three wide with cover position that you were talking about. I think Enthar is, we'll go into why I don't see her as a good bet to win the race. If she takes a sit, she hasn't shown this massive turn of foot to come off a fast pace to go on and win. Every race that she's run in so far, she's controlled the pace, she's dictated everything, and it's been a slow tempo early. So she's had absolutely no excuse to sprint home. 
Um, but if she goes from gate 14 and Mark Zara tries to take her over to the front, the boys, so the likes of General Bow, Jigsaw, um, even Finance Tycoon have run much faster sectionals early and then late. And I think if she gets into a speed battle with them, it could be her undoing really early. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, I think Absailer will, will take off and be her, be her card into the race. Um, big thing for Enzo for mine is um, all the trials and all the races, she just looks so comfortable. For a two-year-old horse, she looks like she's a seasoned five-year-old, you know, with, that's has had a number of races and... Um, on debut, she did actually get caught three wide. Um, and then she turned the corner and you thought oh, she was pretty short on debut too. And you just thought, oh, this could get interesting. And then I think I could be wrong, but I believe McDonald rode her on debut. And he, he got the got the persuader out. And um, as soon as he asked her for anything, she just took off. And her second start in Melbourne was in a smaller field. I think there might have only been six or seven runners in it. And she oh. was quite comfortable there. Five runners even, yeah. She was quite comfortable there and no one wanted to take her on. So I don't think we've really seen a stretch out there. And I think that's where the hard hard part comes in. How good is she? But I think even if she sits three away for this trip, I think she's going to be quite capable of running out a strong 1200. And I think she wins. I still think she wins quite comfortably, to be honest. I can't get away from her. And I want to be... She's out to $2.50 now, which is interesting. I, I keep looking, I keep looking, and she just keeps seeming to get, go out further and further. We might even get $3 on the weekend. But um, yeah, I still feel feel like she's the winner. Yeah, look, she's definitely a deserved favorite based on what she's done today. Um, she, like you said, it looks like she's not even gotten out of second or third gear, and she's put margins on the fields that she's running. I've written a runner by runner preview and Punters, you can go to Brilliance Racing Facebook and Instagram um, because I did maybe four or five lines for every runner. I got through everything. I started typing with Enthar. All of a sudden, I've got a whole page. I nearly had a page and a half and had to cut some out because she's just – she deserves that attention. Um, my – my biggest concerns for her, and I've, I've written about it there, she's had, she's called all the shots in slowly run races over a thousand metres where she's had no excuse but to sprint off of that, that pace. And that might look like she's not gotten out of third gear. That would, well, that would be why she looks like she hasn't gotten out of third gear. She's not seen 1200 metres. And the biggest thing is that the boys, the likes of, I said, like I said, General Bow, Jigsaw, um, you throw in Artorius, um, even Animo, who maps to probably go back a bit. Um, and I'll talk about why I think he's going to win in a second. Um, have gone out faster and come home faster than all the girls' races. The, the boys have, ma- have rated much higher than all the girls' races so far. Um, if she's as special as, as the, the Ma Eustace camp says she is, then she could very well win this. Um, I'm definitely not saying she can't. I just think there's so much going against her. She would have to get the perfect run in the race to be able to go on and win. Yeah. The um, yeah. Well, the interesting thing here is only there's only two horses in the whole field that have actually competed at 1200 before. And you mentioned Artorias. 
he's um he's had a win over thirteen hundred, which definitely goes to show that twelve hundred fast pace twelve hundred, he'll be able to handle that. And um, I know you're about to talk about Animo, but that's the only other one that I can see is the danger because I just think most of those horses have been pretty impressive over eleven hundred, and there hasn't been one of them that looked like. Oh, sorry, there has there's been one which was Animo, and then and then Artorias, but all the other ones really they they look like they were going pretty quick and finished at 1100 you know not not looking for more ground and this is going to be even faster race than they've all raced in so yeah i'm, I'm going with three chances but then thought to win and then artorius and animo right from the back potentially getting over the top late yeah i've got animo on top i think from those three wide gates abseiler pings them and goes mark zara with anthar just jumps on abseiler's back and then for Animo, I believe that is, uh, yeah, Ollie's riding Animo, stuck with Animo. Um, I think he watches, I reckon he'll sit there. Absailer will go hell for leather. Dara and Enthar will be like, oh, shit, we've got to keep up here. And Ollie will sit behind them and just go, this is going to be so fun. He'll just think this is going to be so easy. He'll know he's got the horse to get over the top of them. Artorius, for him to win... He is going to need a fast run race and he'll definitely get it. If these horses don't see out the 1,200 metres or a lot of them don't see out the 1,200 metres, look for him in the last 100. He'll be out wide on the track and he'll be hitting the line really hard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him freshen up and go to a 1,400 metre race somewhere because that 1,300 metre race that he won at, at Sandown, he didn't beat a great deal, but the style that he did it in was massive. Um, I've got Animo on top. Artorius, and then I think Jigsaw maps to get a really good run. Um, and with last year's Blue Diamond uh, jockey winner, um, Michael Walker on board, I can't leave him out either. So they're my top three. Do you, um, do you give Ingratiating any chance on the seven day backup? It's he's got a really tricky draw. I think he's going to get, be smothered early. I think the best chance that he gets is if Finance Tycoon doesn't find a great deal of uh, pace out of the gates, then he might be able to go over and find a jigsaw and sit on his back. Um, and then if there's a hole in the, in the straight, he'll hit the line hard and that won't be a problem. I think the map's probably against him a little bit. He would need a little bit to go his way to find something. Yeah, that makes complete sense. But um, yeah, maybe the other interesting thing is I've been looking in general. Bo's firm from nine fifty to five fifty. I know we both had had um, had him down as a no chance at twelve hundred, but Jamie Carr on board, you never know, do you? <laughs> well, he's he's the seasoned professional of the lot. You hear some really good judges from judges, I should say, sorry, from Melbourne, um, that have seen him in the yard, and he's the big boy. He's the professional. He is the bully. From that draw he'll almost get to do whatever he wants he does have jamie carr on board um he could he he sounds like that type of horse that he just may not struggle to get to 1200 you know it wouldn't shock me but, um, he wasn't nominated for the race either and the owners have gone and paid the late fee which i don't think is a i don't think it's a small fee by any means so that's another interesting one that's a, that's a really interesting point that you bring up and it's a really good one because he had to win those two races. As I understand it, he had to win those two races to be able to pay that late entry fee. 
So was he put into those two races to win them to try and get here? And he might get into the straight and Jamie Carr might find nothing. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Well, well he, yeah, sure. That, that, that makes sense. He could, he could be a massive soft spot in the market if you look at it that way. And you th- you, then you go, all right, we'll put a pen through, through him and go and have a look at the market. And you go, you're kidding. I can get $7.50 for $8 for Animo. I should be having fives because you might put General Bow at 10s or 12s, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I think the early money for General Bow is what's pushing out inside, to be honest. There seems to be a bit of support there. And there's also a lot of support for um, Animo. A lot of people are keen to jump on there. Yeah, 100%. And um, the way that he, he just got up off the canvas and we spoke about it, in his in his last start, um, that was the prelude for the boys that that General Bow won. The way that he got up off the canvas to um, to come at him there, um, Ollie knows exactly what he's doing. He's ridden the horse before. He knows how much horse is there as well, and he's chosen to ride Animo over ingratiating. Um, that could be a, a really telling factor. Um, You've got 16 two-year-olds that have never seen, well, apart from Notorious, they've never seen 1,200 metres. Anything's going to happen on Saturday and this is going to be a great race to watch. Um, and I think there's some really good bets in there to be had as well. Yeah, for so, sure. There's going to be a nice, nice little trifecta going on there. Yep, absolutely. So for me, I'm going uh, Animo on top. Um, I think if they don't see out the, the 1,200 metres, um, Artorias will be flying over the top of them. Um, I think Jigsaw maps to get a really good run in transit and I've got him third. Um, my best bet for the weekend at Caulfield, I'm going to take you back a little bit on the card and I'm going to take you to race one. It's the Mornington Cup prelude over 2,000 metres. Uh, we've got a group chat going for the Brilliance Racing Boys and I threw something up in there uh, once the market's open because I think some bookies around the place are absolutely shitting themselves. They throw up $16 for a horse called Defibrillate and he's been immediately crunched into $2.40. So he's my best bet of the day. Um, he's won three on the trot. Belly Egan, Patrick Payne. I've written about it a thousand times. I'll do it a thousand times more. That's a really, really profitable combination. Um, distance, not a problem. Track, not a problem. Um, he'll get the good ground. Um, I've got him as my best bet on top there for you. And if you want to go and have a look for another one, the next best, I've got Behemoth in race six, wins the Futurity. Sounds good to me, mate. I'll definitely have a bit of a look at those ones. And, um, yeah, as I spoke about before, my best bet for the weekend was um, Home Affairs in the Silver Slipper. And I've got a value bet for punters. I'm going to go with um, Brooklyn Hustle in the Oakley Plate. I think we're getting $12 for her. And I I think she could be a chance to run over, over the top of them late. Yep, absolutely. You mentioned value bets, and I think I spotted one uh, earlier today, but after writing that runner-by-runner runner preview, I'm absolutely mentally fried punters. So I'm going to keep you I'm going to keep you hanging there. I'm going to leave you hanging. What you're going to do, you're going to stop listening to the podcast, go to Bet With Brilliance on Saturday morning. I'm going to have a preview up. Fish is going to have a preview up. Uh, Nick Lloyd for Queensland. He'll have written something up as well. It's a massive day of racing, futurity stakes, uh, 
obviously Blue Diamond as well in Sydney, we're looking at a golden slipper um, and who's going to go ahead and win that. Um, massive day of racing. Thank you very much again for joining me, Fish. I've had an absolutely outstanding time chewing your ear off about this Blue Diamond and the card of racing that we've got ahead. It's going to be a really good weekend. Yeah, looking forward to the races on the weekend, mate. Can't wait. And um, also for those punters that are going to go and check out the website, I better give you a wrap. I think you had four winners at Sandown yesterday, was it, or Wednesday? Yeah, four That's on. 50% of the card. It's never easy to do that. Actually, I got hosed by the missus for that, actually. She said eight races in a day and you can't pick four winners. She said 50%. That's what it's got to be. So it was actually quite funny. I thought I'd, I'd backed my first two and I thought I'll leave the – I'll leave the reminders off. I was at work. I thought I'll wait till I get to my break. I'll go and watch the races. And I'd had a little bit on them. Watch the races. They both won. I go into my account and there's a boatload of money there because I reckon I'm going to get I'm going to get robbed of the um, W winnings by Ladbrokes. I had it on both of them. And they've just thrown bulk bonus bets into my account. They're just going to – yeah. I've probably not heard ready, them as much ready as – for the weekend. I've, I've probably not heard them as much as some others, but then I went and picked the third and they've just gone, oh, no, what have we done? So, yeah, I was lucky, <laughs> yeah. enough, to get, lucky enough to get four on the day. Uh, how many races have we got at Caulfield? Nine. So what's that? I'm just looking at the misses. Four, five, five. Right, eight, five. Down. you got to get four, four from nine is always a good day, mate. Four but, um, from- yeah, anyway, looking forward to it. And um, hopefully we can both and, and Nikki, all three of us, tips and winners on the weekend. Looking yep. forward to it. Yep, absolutely. We'll be all over it with socials because news outlets have been banned everywhere. So the only thing you do want to see is brilliance racing. Uh, Facebook, Instagram partners, go and have a look. It'll all be there. Thanks again, Fish. Bet up, fill up, punters. Have a great weekend. Take care, Fish. Talk to you all next week. See you, mate. Thanks for that. Cheers.